This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. <laughs> Braxton, you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Trevor Thompson is a Navy SEAL. The dude is an incredible individual. He base jumps, he does stunts, He's only been shooting a bow for about a year and a half, wasn't a hunter, is now a hunter, has been on Rogan. There isn't many things that Trevor Thompson hasn't done. He's a good friend of ours, he's a good friend of Blood Origins, and I wanted to get him on the podcast, and we caught up at the Big Sky Total Archery Challenge to really get his thoughts about him becoming a hunter and other things. So enjoy. Make a runner and really screw yourself up. No, I've mashed the record button and I don't like to move after I've mashed the record button. Plus, I just got that massage, which is just like, <laughs> oh my gosh. So on today's episode, uh, Robbie will be sleeping. Exactly. And I'll be talking about what's in front of me. <laughs> what is in front of us? A zipline. Zipline, that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear some zzzz. A lot of expensive off-road vehicles. Yep, expensive uh, mountain bikes. Mm, yeah, and... Uh, Zillions of dollars of broken carbon. Archery equipment. Yeah, it would be a fascinating <laughs> be a fascinating exercise of data crunching on how much money is left on the mountain. In carbon. 
in Broken Arrows? Broken Arrows. I don't know. Is there more Broken Arrows or Broken Hearts up there? Gosh, you about <laughs> took my, the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> if you took it super seriously, yeah, Broken Hearts. I saw some people with some Broken Hearts yesterday. Really? Yeah, they had score sheets. So, all right, before I continue, <laughs> I, I, look, I, I get abs. No, I don't get murdered, but people keep complaining to me. They're like, Robbie, you have these guests on, and you just start talking to them, yeah. and you forget to introduce them. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, a mystery. So, Trevor Thompson. Yes, sir. Introduce yourself, please. All right. So, uh, yeah, you got my name right. Trevor, Trevor Thompson, Thompson, Black oh. Rifle Coffee Company. Yeah, I've been working at Black Rifle for three and a half years or so. Um, before that, I was in the SEAL teams for nine years and had a short break in between Came SEAL teams. Came straight out of college into SEALs? I dropped out of college. Out of, uh, actually, I dropped out of art school, so I was really on the track for being a team guy. But you're still an artist today, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, I still do some design work and kind of ideation, product ideation. So what was the flip? What was the switch that flipped you from going, being at art school, university to deciding you're going to go to Buds? So that was 2006. Okay. Um, the war here was ripping pretty good. Mm-hmm. And my dad's dad was in the Marine Corps. My mom's dad was in the Army. Um, and then we have a long history of service. So we've been in basically every conflict all the way back through pre-revolution, like uh, French and Indian War. So for me, so it was fighting's in your blood. It kind of is. Um, Wars in your blood. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, family's from Denmark, and Vikings. Uh, yeah, and the Black Forest region in Germany. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's in there, <laughs> somewhere. I might be little, but I'm scrappy. That's right. But war watch out for <laughs> the little guys. The little quiet guys are the problem, children. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I just I I felt like I wasn't contributing a lot I felt like there was a lot that I could be doing mm-hmm. instead and um, I'm a decent athlete still uh, I was a decent athlete then I was in good shape mm-hmm. had the mindset for that sort of thing um, I wouldn't call myself you know super smart but I'm also not an idiot so I, I knew I could apply myself to something difficult uh, mentally and physically so I tried to find whatever was the hardest and the fastest route to combat both together right because you know guys are going to say well there's a faster out and yeah there is but i didn't want to be in a a line unit right um that just wasn't my my deal Mm -hmm. i kind of knew that um those guys have a job to do and i didn't want to watch that job at all so i'm like well all right what's the hardest thing i could do and how fast can i get it done and it was either green berets or go be a team guy and the seal teams have a slightly shorter complete pipeline okay to end up in combat. Okay. <clears throat> uh, so that's what I did. Wow. Yeah. Dropped out, went to a recruiter. He's like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to be a Navy SEAL. He's like, okay, cool. I'm sure he just saw dollar signs. He's like, I'm going to get a bonus for this dummy. Yeah. Yeah. So you were in there for nine years. Mm-hmm. What caused you to get out? I was done. Done? Um, yeah. I had done what you wanted to do, set out what you wanted to do, and you're like, okay. I'd seen what I wanted to see. I got to participate in what I wanted to participate in. Uh, I got to do a lot of, like, real frogman shit. Like, I've locked out of submarines. Mm -hmm. I've driven Zodiacs 50 miles through the ocean. Mm -hmm. I've dove hundreds of feet. I've jumped from 30-plus thousand feet. Got to go overseas. Um, A lot of guys did a lot more. But I got to do what I felt like was fulfilling for me. 
and uh, I still had all my fingers and toes and wanted to keep them. Um, more power to the guys that are still in. I still talk to buddies that uh, that are, but I wanted to do other things with my life. Right. Um, and I, that's why I got out. I was good. And the war and sure. politics were kind of turning a little sure. uh, directionally in, in a way that I didn't feel comfortable with mm -hmm. um, at the time. Mm -hmm. That was 15-ish, 16. Mm -hmm. um, election cycle was coming up. We were starting to position ourselves geopolitically in countries that I just didn't understand. Uh, maybe there's a reason long term, but I just didn't get it. So I was done. Um, always a hunter? No. Not even so. Really? Of. Nope. Holy shit, I didn't know this. Yeah. So I started hunting when I was, what, 30 or so? Yeah. Wow, that music just jacked up. I know. I guess they decided to turn it on over here. Or somewhere. We'll live. Um, yeah, enjoy the music, everybody. But actually, Andy Stump is the one that got me into hunting. Really? It's all his fault. So I saw him bow hunting or doing archery with, okay. with Dudley. And I wanted to do archery also. I'm like, that looks really cool. Because obviously you'd been there, done that from a shooting perspective. Yes. And that's part of why hunting never really interested me. Um, oh, and I'd be remiss saying I had shot animals while I was in. Yeah. Um, on a hunting trip. Yeah. Like a, a friend of mine that he's still in grew up on a ranch in eastern Colorado. So we went and we did some uh, chucker and pheasant, uh, so upland game. Okay. And then uh, coyotes. So it wasn't like I was unfamiliar with the, the like the landscape and the, the people, but I just never really had an interest in shooting a deer or an elk with a rifle because I'm like, this is not, how is that entertaining? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand the culture. I didn't understand why because I didn't grow up with it. I grew up in L.A. It just wasn't there. So I wanted to do archery because yeah. it seemed difficult and different from shooting a rifle. <clears throat> um it's more difficult and not that much different, <laughs> oddly enough. Um, a lot of the concepts are very similar. So when Andy was doing it, he knew I wanted to do it. Somebody dropped out of a black bear hunt. And two months before that hunt, he gave me a phone call. And he's like, hey, man, if you get yourself to Kansas next week, Dudley will have a bow ready. Um, go get yourself measured. And then he'll teach you how to use the bow and then... It's on your ass to figure out how much practice you can get in before yeah. this hunt. And yeah. then when you get up there, he'll determine whether or not you're ready. I'm like, okay, let's do it. I mean, I'm kind of a two feet into the deep end type sure, person. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So I said, yeah, sure, let's do this. Do you think that there is, and maybe this is why you have a total archery challenge that we're sitting at right now. Do you think that archery is that's almost like you'll never really get to where you will want to be as an archer. Yeah. It's just a, always a constant yeah. perfecting art. Yeah, and I think for me that's a lot like shooting a pistol really well. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a really difficult discipline, shooting a pistol well, combat shooting a pistol uh -huh. well. It's, just, it's very similar with archery, except that there's so much other shit going on and so much other things that can impact what a, what an arrow does and then you're dealing with an animal that is unpredictable so archery really is like a never ending race with no finish line 
So for someone who started, when was this? 2000 and... Well, that's 17-ish. Yeah. So f- less than five years of hunting. Oh, yeah. Less than five years. You have now a tattoo that's on the side of your leg mm-hmm. that is a traditional arrow. Uh, this one's a spear. Spear. So that, that one's a coup stick. Okay. Yeah. So I have a spear with a Clovis point on it. Okay. So that references the Clovis people here in the United States mm-hmm. that, or North America that came here first and a bear skull, which is a a drawing of the first bear that I shot. So what I'm trying to get at here is that someone who's less than five years, you are now fully in it. Totally committed. Totally I, in it. Unless there is some life-altering circumstance, I can't see myself not going a couple of years. Oh, it's the, it's the, uh, yeah. The, they're testing the sound on the. Yeah. I can't see myself going a year without hunting, um, in some form or fashion. Before you started hunting, did you have perceptions of what hunting was? Um, I think, I think I had a misunderstanding of the breadth of the culture i i think that i thought it was a little more good old boy ish um which to me is like you know natty lights on the back of a pickup truck oh yeah yeah um, yeah with southeast redneck yeah style yeah, exactly of hunting yeah, yeah. for everyone uh-huh and i figured that was pervasive right um maybe not the style but the attitude mm-hmm. um, because when i went with my buddy clay you know, I, I didn't see any cultural style of hunting because he and I were on the same SEAL team. We just went out together as buddies and we were shooting coyotes and birds. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, you know, that's what we do every day. We fight that misperception of of what hunting is. And it's obviously, rec- it, you know, Disneyfication, Hollywoodification, whatever you want to call it has generated this persona of what a hunter is supposed to be yeah and why people hunt yeah and why people hunt um let me ask this and maybe nobody's ever asked you this question and you you can think about it but maybe you have an answer already you why did you start archery let me start there archery specifically yeah well archery hunting let me just let's start there Did you have a reason why? I didn't want to rifle hunt. And it was part of my... No, 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 no. That's not what I asked you. Okay. I asked you why did you start archery hunting. Oh, archery hunting. Well, because Andy asked. And because I asked. Because I wanted to. Okay. Why did you want to? Well, I had talked to Andy about it. And he had a similar feeling about rifle hunting than I did. Like, I don't want to do that. It doesn't seem like fun. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like a challenge. Gotcha. It doesn't seem like that's a fit for me. Cause, so Andy was a sniper. Okay. Right? So he understood that side of it. And I've done a lot of long-range shooting. I'm not a sniper, but I've done some long-range shooting at the team. So I had the same sort of perception. Like, yeah, it doesn't seem... It doesn't seem uh, quote-unquote fair. I don't, I don't know how to best express, like... 
yeah, there was there was an ethos of yeah. the fair chase type a of fair thing. chase ethos that yeah. was like, well, I'm I'm super I'm, trained. I'm super trained. It really, from a fair perspective, I have more of an advantage due to my training than that animal. I'm offering that animal. Absolutely. And archery leveled that playing field for you distinctly. Because you literally had never done it. No, I hadn't touched a bow, ever. Like, you know, a lot of guys will have touched a bow at some point. You're right. I'd never even touched any sort of bow. Mm-hmm. And so. now you have, you have a trad bow. I do. I've what do you prefer, trad or compound? Okay, before you answer that question, is is the why still the same today? Actually, it's become even deeper, and that's why I got a trad bow. Do you think that you, you gained enough knowledge and skill in the compound to almost the, the reason why you didn't pick up a rifle? No. Okay. I still think that the compound is fair chase for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not good enough to say that with that bow, with the compound bow. But I do try and close the distance more with the compound and be more particular about shot choice and timing because I'm getting a little bit better. Compound or tread? With compound. Okay. Um, but it's still hard as shit. <laughs> And then with the trad bow, that that creates an entire diff- an entirely different level of how tight do I have to get to this other creature that I'm playing a game with? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to take a shot outside of twenty five with that right bow. Well, and again, it it stick. It, and each to his own, right? We're not saying here that archery hunting is better than rifle hunting that's not what we're trying to say here but what I'm it's different, it's different. there's there's levels of difficulty yeah and you can make a rifle hunt just as hard you can absolutely you Feel take free. a scope off of it you can make yep. it you can shoot iron a, sights we can shoot a lever action yep and be 50 yards from something 100% good luck <laughs> there is a distance element that I think is you know needs a little bit of honesty to it in that yep rifle hunting you typically are shooting animals at greater distances. Yep. And as such, the the senses of the animal and the acuity of those senses are going to be different to someone who needs to creep into their bedroom. A hundred percent. And that's part of why... So I have a, a SIG Cross in 308. Yep, yep. Um, and when I got it, those guys there asked me what kind of scope I wanted. And I'm like, hey, here's the deal. I don't want to shoot anything past 400. I don't even want to think about shooting something past 400. Because that's, to me, for my mentality, that is not the hunt that I want to be participating in. You drew a line at 400 to you is, is not it, even it, fair chase. No. It, you know, so personal it, preference. Personal preference. Correct. And so that means if... And 400 is not very far. I mean, that's I'm pointing at the hillside. That's probably up where the target range is. Right. But that is close enough to me. Or that's just at the edge of an elk or a moose or a, a deer might catch you yep. doing something stupid yep. and might get a, mm-hmm. a hair to go away. Mm-hmm. But if you're shooting at 1,000, 
So I'm, I'm very, this is a subject that I am extremely <laughs> interested in because we did a big, we did a big talking head about the Jimmy John's elk and he shot it at 980 yards. And yep. one of the pervasive things of, and we're about to do a thing called, a little series called, I am a hunter, but I'm a hunter, but I don't shoot animals at 800 yards. Yeah. It's unethical. Mm, okay. See, I don't agree with that. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. But. Go ahead. Sorry. So why is 400 your line and not 350? Okay. So or not 450. So 400 was a random number that I chose. Okay. Had nothing to do with how Appreciate close. Appreciate the honesty. Yeah, totally random. Um, and it's a round number. Okay. So it was easy for me to be like 400-ish, man. I don't know. Yep. Whatever scope fits that, yep. tell, you tell me. And it's a 308. So good luck shooting a 308 um, to. Ballistics-wise. Ballistics-wise, okay. you know. You have to be hyper specific about what kind of ballistics or what kind of round you're shooting with a 308. Okay. <laughs> um, out to like 500, and then it starts to get some wild drop off, right? You say right like I know what you're talking about, but yeah. I don't. Okay, so a 308, if you're shooting like 175 grain round, um, 500 ish, this you're starting to work into a, a limitation of its ballistics. Okay. That um, you're working with like major drop and a lot of drift okay because of the size of the round so for me that's unacceptable um if i'm not shooting something the size of that backpack mm. which i'm pointing at like a standard you know day pack sure at 500 that's unacceptable on an animal okay that is unethical yep. to me yep right correct um so then when you start getting in tighter so 400 300 200 i made that distinction for me because for me that would be broadside open field side of a hill perfect wind perfect conditions perfect 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 everything 400 for me that's me sure. because i want to make an absolutely perfect shot right so i'm choosing to hunt that animal it's my personal choice to hunt that mm -hmm. thing which is where you can start drawing an ethical line because if you're the one who's choosing to hunt, you can choose not to hunt, too. Correct. You've chosen to go after that thing. It didn't choose to have you go after it. Mm -hmm. Granted, it's a prey animal, mm -hmm. so it assumes everything's after it every day. I like the fact that you have your reasons for why the line's at 400. Yeah. Because a lot of people go, oh, 600, no, that's too far. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why is 600 too far? Why is 300 too far? Exactly. So I know a lot of people that shoot terribly at 100. Yeah. And know? like I know I can like I've I've shot with that 308 past 500 and hit 10 inch by 10 inch steel. Mm -hmm. it's like I it's a manageable distance for me right. personally with my skill set. I'm not a fantastic shooter from our background or my background. But I'm still hunting an animal. You know and I still want that to be I still, I still am getting an experience out of this, right? Correct. We're, we're predatory animals. We are humans. Okay, so we need to fulfill part of that. So something in our, in our blood, in our genetics is getting fulfilled. So I still want to participate in that. And by being close enough, like we could, you and I, Actually, I saw a moose yesterday at 600, 612, okay? 
612 was close enough to see a cow moose feeding and being able to delineate which leg is forward. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's still too far for me because that moose didn't know we were there. Sure. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I could have been jumping up and down and acting like an asshole, and that moose would have kept on feeding. Right. Well, you start working into somewhere in the threes, mm-hmm. they can sort of figure out where you're at. I mean, I shot a moose two years ago with a rifle at 260, and we were calling it with just our mouths. Right. So it knew where we were. Sure. Right? Well, at 1,000, I probably could have been tromping around like an idiot. Mm-hmm. And that's... I've only been hunting a little while, but I still want, I want to participate with that animal. Right. Well, you, you used mo- you've used participate twice. Because we are. We're part of this. Right. Right? We're not a part. It's, I was wearing a shirt yesterday that said 96.9% bonobo. Okay. That's how much genetic material we share with chimpanzees and bonobos. Mm-hmm. Okay. We share more material, genetic material with them than uh, a tiger does with a lion. Right. I, I tell people that when I wear that shirt. Because I try and get them to understand that we're not that separate from the animal kingdom. No, it's true. No, and there's something about it, right? And this is where it's tough to describe it to a non-hunter. Yeah. Which is when you become a participant. Yep. Something inside you gets unlocked, which is the primal predatory uh instinct. And you've chosen to do it. Yeah, you've chosen to do it. But every step you get closer to that animal... That thing jacks up and jacks mm-hmm. up and jacks up and it ratches it and ratches yep. it up and you know then it's all you know dare we call it spidey sense but it's really the instinct right it's the yeah. instinct that the animal kingdom has that we've lost yep. that we've disconnected from and I think that's that's almost the evolution of people from you know they go rifle hunting they'll start rifle hunting and then it almost something along the the participation gradient wanes. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm not getting that anymore. Like, I want to I wanna not just see, I want to hear the animal. Correct. Or I want to be able to fox it, outfox it even more. Yep. Right? Yes, I've, I've got a blind. I've positioned the blind correctly. I've, I've outfoxed it. Yep. Okay, now I want to take the blind away. Now I want to be on the ground. Now I want to be on the ground. Okay, I want to be within 50 yards now mm-hmm. of it. Now I want to get within 25 yards. Yeah. I don't know if you know, um, we filmed a, um, I call her the probably the baddest female bow hunter on the planet. Mm. Her name's Anna Vorsick. Okay. She's out of Alaska. I think she's done the, nor- don't quote me on this, I think she's done the Northern 29 oh, twice. Yeah. Oh, the slam. Yeah. Twice. Good with for a her. bow. That's rad. That's um, hard. That's super hard. hard. And like, so I asked her, I said, why do you, like, why did you do it? <laughs> super hard. And she says... I get so close to these animals that I don't just see them. This is her. And you'll, when you watch Anna, because I don't just get to see them poop. I count the poops coming out of their butt. Yeah. I, I, that's where I want to be with the stick, right? Like, I want to I wanna be so close to something that I almost can't miss, mm. right? So that feeds into the feeling, because I've chosen to hunt this thing, the ethics. But I also want to be so close that I can't miss that it can hear me drawing a stick bow. 
which if you haven't sat next to a stick bow getting drawn, they're quiet as shit. Mm -hmm. So think about like how much has to be going on that you're that close. Well, just how, how jacked up, like I'm thinking now, how jacked up internally you are. Yeah. And I always talk about the, that chasm between life and death, right? Between you releasing that arrow, pulling that trigger, and it entering that animal. Yeah. Like in that moment, you're so close, you, you've shrunk down that, you know, thousandth of a second to ten thousandth of a second. To here. Right. To that column. Yeah. Which guys that are really, really, really proficient with traditional gear, and by proficient I mean successful with their hunts. They're killing a lot of animals by percentage. Yeah. That's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not making these long bomb 60, 70 yard, whatever it is, whatever number you want to throw out there. X. They're so close that if they coughed or sniffed, that thing would pick up and take off. Yeah, 100%. That's special to me because that's participating by choice on a level that humans haven't been required to participate in by and large for a long time for most of our ancestors, right? Yeah. Of course, there are a multitude of hunter-gatherer tribes that are doing a portion of that to a bit, mm -hmm. right? But most of us are 5, 10, 20, 1,000 generations away from that. Yeah. It's... Uh I'm always, whenever we talk about stuff like this, I, my mind flips to how do you, there's data, I'm a scientist obviously, so there's data that is inherent to the activity that can c capture what a hunter does and communicate it to a non-hunter. For example, a bow hunter, how many animals does he see mm -hmm. that one gets, that busts him or two or, sh or her um, or two that you never draw on. Yep. The amount of time and hours that is spent chasing that one animal. Mm -hmm. um, we did that one statistic where the National Deer Association looked at the number of license sales to the number of deer taken. And for white-tailed deer, then you use the most populous animal that we can hunt in the United States. And it turns out that 50% of license holders kill one deer. And so the, the assumption we were going after there is that we're all just redneck killers, going back to the original part of this conversation. Yeah. That we just, we lay slaughter to animals. Yeah. Well, 50% of us don't ever kill an animal in a hunting season. The other 50% only kills one deer. Go to Canada, that percentage is 36%. And if you then look at the second animal they take, yeah. less than 1% of hunters take those animals. Now, we got a bunch of pushback, even from hunters to say, well, that statistic tells us tells everyone that we're shitty hunters. <laughs> like maybe you are. <laughs> maybe you are. Um, <laughs> but it also shows that it it can't be just for the kill. Those numbers indicate yeah. something else, and there's no way I can, from a data perspective, capture what that feeling is when you get within twenty yards of an animal. Yeah. I can't do it. No. But I can capture it via data. That is time to ratios of animals being taken so yeah that's you know that's the challenge always is to how do you translate this thing that is that we know is is participatory 
to that non-hunting majority that is okay oh i get it now yeah or oh that assumption that i had of you is incorrect mm -hmm. or that perception i had of you is incorrect more conversations from people that are willing to not sound cool yeah and in, in conversations with people that are and again not not to get too deep into the hunting industry not the have conversations with guys that are willing to dig deep and it's not just a fanboy ego yeah type it, exercise. Should, it shouldn't be you know because <laughs> i mean how many hunters are there in the u.s like statistically by i think 11 sales? million yeah statistically okay. about four and a half percent cool so we'll call it 10 million mm -hmm. people right and you're probably dealing with a couple hundred that everybody knows the names of correct which means that there's 10 million people that are just normal human beings that like to hunt. Yep. Yeah, so those are the kinds of voices that need to get heard because guess what? Those are all the voices. Yep. All of them. Yep. No matter how much you like, name the person with the public image. Right. Right. Um, there's literally millions of people. Well, and then you just talk about the global community of hunters. And yeah. Yeah, it's going to be an, a never-ending challenge, but um, that's a good challenge, right? Oh, for that, sure, that's a good thing because that the m the more often that gets brought up and the more people hear that discussion, the more willing they are going to be to continue doing what they're doing mm -hmm. and talking to their friends that have no idea what hunting is about, or you know, it's I tell people that the reason that I like to talk about everything from combat to art to to hunting is it's always the third order effect it's it's never me talking to you or it's never the person who's going to listen to this podcast it's the person that that person talks to their brother their sister 100%. their mother their dad their cousin their 100%. friend that's the person that matters right so if you're listening it's the person that you end up talking to about this kind of conversation that has never listened to this and never will listen to it because they're not part of this community that's the person that matters, and that's the person that's going to keep you hunting. Mm -hmm. 100%. It's not us. It's yeah. not you. It's that next person, because that person will defend you to somebody you'll never meet. Mm -hmm. No, well said. Absolutely well said, which is the seeds that are being planted. Yeah. Every single day. Every day. Perfect. Well, let's it's end important. it there, because that's... Yeah. It's important. Winner. Thanks, Trevor. Woo! Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.